Uh, I'm excited about how today is going to go. We're in the, the sixth of our series called Give Me Jesus. And it's, as we've said every week, we are looking at specifically just the, the teachings of Jesus. It's easy to get caught up in the miracles. It's easy to get caught up in the healings only. But we are looking at His teachings because we don't want to be people that lose interest in Jesus when He stops doing the miracles. We want to make sure that we're looking at His words and we're taking those words and we're applying them in our life because as followers of Christ, our goal is to look like Jesus. Yes or no? Yeah, that's what we want. We want everything that we do to reflect Jesus Christ and to reflect His image. And so we've been moving through this series specifically focusing on the, the teachings of Jesus. And so what I did today that I've done every week is I took our scripture passage and I dropped it in a word cloud. And these things, I really like them because they really help us to grasp the, the focus of the text. And you see two real big words right there. You see Father, you see Son, because that's really what this story is about. For the last couple of weeks, we have honed in on two verses in Luke chapter 15. If you want to go ahead and open your Bible there, you can. But over the last couple of weeks, we have honed in on the first two verses of Luke 15 that basically tell us that Jesus was attracting all kinds of sinners, all kinds of tax collectors, the kind of people that Jesus might not want to be associating with in some people's eyes and estimation. As a matter of fact, it was the Pharisees, the religious leaders, who came to Jesus and were upset that He was drawing those kinds of people to Him. And as we've seen over the last couple of weeks, Jesus responded by saying, now you guys need to wake up. You need to recognize that the kingdom of God is for everybody. You need to recognize that the table of God is for all and every single person. Every single person has an invitation around the table of God. No matter what you've done, no matter where you come from, no matter what your background is or how checkered your past might be, there is a seat for everyone around the table of God. Isn't that good news? And that's what we've been talking about. And this is what Jesus is trying to get these guys to understand. And so he's told these different parables. He's talked about uh, banquets. And people were invited, but they were too busy, and so they couldn't come. And so the, the, the owner said, hey, we'll go out into the streets and invite anybody that you find. Invite them to come to the table. Jesus is trying to show them that it is for all. His grace is for all. And then he moves into to Luke 15, and he tells two stories, one about a lost sheep, one about a lost coin. And in those two stories, the, the owner of the sheep and the owner of the coin left everything or turned their house over in search of, in search of that sheep. And as we continue into this chapter, he tells a story that is probably the most well-known parable that Jesus has ever told. It's called the, the parable of the, of the prodigal son. 
That's what we generally think of it as, but that's really not a great description of it. The better description would be the parable of the loving father because there are two sons in the story. Today we're going to look at one of them. Next week we'll wrap it up. But it's in that parable that Jesus responds to, or the father responds to, to both sons. And so if you have your Bible, we will begin reading the text together. Luke 15, verse 11, says this. He also said, A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, uh, yes. Jackson, <laughs> aren't you supposed to be in children's church? Yes. Does your teacher know you're not in children's church? Yes. Are you supposed to be in here? Yes. You're wearing a microphone. What do you, why, why are you here? Give me all the money that I'm going to get when you're dead. <laughs> you want to run that by me again? all the money that I'm going to get when you're dead. Give you, wait a minute, wait a minute. You want me to give you all the money that you're going to get yes. after I die? Yes. You want it now? Yes. Right now? Yes. You don't want to wait till I'm yes. dead? Wow. Love you too. <laughs> so what you're asking me is you're, you want your inheritance today? Yes. Ah, preacher's kids. Well, son, I do love you. I do love you. And because I love you, I'm going to give you some money. And hopefully this really will be not all your inheritance, but for the sake of the story. I'm going to give it to you. Now then, I, I, I probably won't agree with, with how you're going to spend this money, but because I love you, I'm going, I'm going to give it to you. And it says, it says that the father divided the inheritance between, between both sons. It also says that not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, he sold all his possessions, and he headed off to a distant country. See ya! So he took the inheritance that he had demanded from his dad. Did you notice that, that he didn't really ask for his money? Did you see that in the text? Did you see it on the stage? How rude. And we'll have a chat about that later. But the son in the story, he comes to his father, and he says, Father, give me my share of the inheritance now. Essentially, what he is saying is exactly what Jackson just said to me. Give me what's coming to me when you're dead. But give it to me right now now that's 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 what he's asking for and so the father does this he divides the estate between the two sons now then he's got two sons the younger son is not going to receive quite as much he's going to receive a third of the inheritance the older son is going to receive two-thirds of the inheritance but it says he divided it which means he gave him his portion of property because that's what it would have been and the younger son took his portion of the land and he went and sold it. He sold his family's land 
got all of the money, and he went off to this, this distant land. And the story goes is that he lost all of his money in wild living. Whatever that might mean, whether he is, he is partying or whatever it is, but you know how it is. You know, you got money. If you got money and you're willing to spend it, guess what else you're going to have? Yeah, friends. You're not going to attract the best kinds of friends, are you? And I can imagine that that's probably what's going on in this story. Here is this kid. He shows up in a new land where nobody knows his name. Nobody knows his backstory. They don't know how he's been raised. But he's got all this cash, and he's flashing it. And he's showing it around, and he's drawing all of these kinds of people to him. And maybe he's throwing these extravagant parties. He's buying all of these wonderful things. But as the story goes, it says that there was a, a, a famine in the land, and he lost everything. You see, and once the, the money runs out, well, guess what else is going to run out? The, the friends. The friends that he thought he might have acquired, well, they're all of a sudden, they're not going to be there. Because those are not, those are not real friends. And it said that there was a, a, a famine in the land. And so this, this, this young man, he did the only thing that he knew to do. He went and got a job feeding pigs. Now for a Jew, this is an illegal job. Because a pig is considered to be an unclean animal. But he didn't know what else to do. And so he went and he hired himself out to feed the pigs. And this is what the scripture says. It says that he longed to eat his fill from the carob pods the pigs were eating, but no one would give him any. But when he came to his senses... And what that means is basically when he woke up, when he came to himself, when he realized that the way he had been living was not the way that he should be living, that he was living outside of God's way. It's like he had that light bulb moment, and he realizes it. And Jesus tells us right here in the text, he says, how many of my father's hired hands have more than enough food? And here I am. Here I am dying of hunger. And so he thinks, well, I know what I'll do. I'll get up and I'll go to my father and I'll say to him, I have sinned against heaven and I've sinned in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But make me like one of your hired hands. He knows that he has absolutely blown it. But he realizes, even in his, his destitute state that he's in, that the servants at his father's house live better than he does. And he thinks, living like that, I'll be living like a king compared to the state that I'm in. He wants to eat pig food. And no one will give him any, which shows us what he means to the pig farmers. 
that the pigs and the pig food are worth more than this young man's life. But he thinks, I'll go home. I'll go home and I will throw myself at the mercy of my father. But it's in this moment he is completely destitute. Your pain and your hunger, they're driving you home. And freedom, oh freedom, well that's just some people talking. Your prison is walking through this world all alone. So he gets up and he goes home. The only thing that he has is a rehearsed speech. He's got nothing else to offer. You know, we've been in that position before, haven't we? Where we've blown it, we're caught, and so what do we start doing? We start forming our defense. Only his is not full of excuses. He's going to go to his dad. He's going to throw himself at the the mercy of his father. And he's going to say, look, I've blown it. I've sinned against everybody. You don't even have to call me a son. Just just make me me like one of your your servants. And so he, he set out. And then watch what Scripture says. He got up and he went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off... His father saw him and was, was filled with, with compassion. You know, it, it's easy to think that the father just happened to coincidentally notice the son, like he was gone to the mailbox and looked up and there, hey, there's my son coming home, but it's not like that at all. This carries with it the idea that the father was continually looking out for his son, that he was waiting for that son to come home. Something I read earlier this week suggested that you know, this, was a, this was a wealthy man. And a lot of times in this, this era, the elders would sit at the gate of the city. Suggested that maybe this wealthy man was there sitting at the gate day after day, looking off into the distance, expecting to see his son come home. And one day, he saw him. And it says that when the son saw the father, he was filled with compassion. Filled with with compassion. You know, a lot of times we we, we think of God as as this, this vengeful God who wants to destroy us when we when we blow it. But it's not what we see in this story. It says he ran and he threw his arms around his neck and he kissed him.
the son starts into this, this rehearsed speech. But the father cuts straight across him. Doesn't even let him finish. This kid has a speech. He's going to say, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to be called your son. I've sinned against everybody. But it's in that moment as he says, Father, can I be one of your servants that the dad cuts across him and he says, quick, bring a robe and put it on him. Bring a ring and put it on his finger. Bring sandals and He says, for my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost, but now he is found. And it says that they began to celebrate. The father threw an extravagant celebration. Welcoming home the, the son. What Jesus, what Jesus wants from us in this in this story is to recognize that the love of God is not for perfect people. That it's not for only certain individuals. That it's not for people who have lived right enough. But it's that it's for all. And so he tells this scandalous story that would have offended those that are listening because the Pharisees, they would have been offended at what this what this kid did. They would have been offended that he took a job feeding pigs because it was against their law to come in contact with an unclean animal. Jesus is trying to get us to see that it doesn't matter how dirty we are, how sinful we are. The Father is always looking. Not only is the Father always looking, the Father is ready to run to us and meet us where we are just as we are. That's the love of God. That's the love that we have to have. That's the love that we have to take into a lost and dying world. Jesus died for everybody. God longs to see every single person come to repentance. And He is willing to do whatever it takes, including sacrificing His own Son to save the lives of all humanity. If I had to sacrifice one of my sons to save one of you, I don't think I could make that call. I suspect you couldn't do the same. But God did. He gave up His Son so that all who believe in Him will not perish 
but have eternal life. That is the love of God. That is the message that we must take into a lost and dying world. And when those sinners come, we don't make it hard for them to come back. We celebrate their return. Just as the angels in heaven celebrate, we celebrate as well. And so that's what Jesus is, is, is trying to get us to grasp. That God loves all. That Jesus died for all. And maybe you've been missing out on that love, or maybe you've misunderstood that love, because a lot of people, they think God is just hanging out there in the heavens, and He's waiting. He's waiting to curse us. He's waiting to condemn us for dying. But Jesus has just said, that's not what God is like. God is like the Father who waits at the gate of the city that always is on the lookout for His children to come home. I don't care how dirty they are. I don't care how bad they've messed up. That's what God does. And if you've missed out on that love, maybe it's time for you to experience it again for the first time. Maybe you need to give your life to Jesus for the first time. Confess His name. Maybe you've not been living that way. Maybe you've been living like the next character in the story that we're going to talk about next week. But maybe you've been living like the younger son. You've disrespected God with the way that you've lived your life. You've run and you've done all kinds of things. God's not waiting to destroy you. He's waiting to embrace you. If we can help you, if we can pray for you, why don't you come while we stand and while we sing?